Claire, thank you uh, so much. Well, social scientists, psychologists, sociologists love to divide people up, don't they, by type. And when it comes to describing your preferred working style, you'll often be described as either being a starter or being a finisher. And I wonder which one are you? Are you a starter or are you a finisher? Well, a starter, in case you're wondering, is somebody who feels like they never get to finish anything. They're really good at initiating and launching new projects, but they have a tendency to never, ever finish them. After the initial excitement has worn off, they give up on the project, leaving behind them a trail of unfinished or even abandoned tasks. I wonder if that describes you. Finishers are people who rarely are able to get started at anything, and yet they're people who are able to complete tasks with incredible skill. They're often able to bring a project to an amazing conclusion. So if you like, starters are like the enthusiastic sprinters at the very beginning of a race. They're ready to dash off with the excitement of an over-caffeinated cheetah. Finishers are a bit like marathon runners who pace themselves. They save their energy ready for the grand finale like a tortoise with a secret turbo boost. Now, of course, these are gross generalizations, aren't they? But most people fall into one of these two categories, caffeinated cheetahs or turbo-boosted tortoises. Of course, what's funny is if you're a starter, you regret the fact you're not a finisher. If you're a finisher, you regret the fact that you're not a starter. Now, depending upon the context, I'm definitely more of a finisher than I am a starter, which means I end most days feeling incredibly frustrated at the fact that I've got unanswered text messages or unread emails or I've got anything left on my to-do list. Now, my wife, Meg, could not be more contrasting. She is a starter, and she loves to have multiple things on the go at the same time. Meg delights in nothing more than a really long to-do list. In fact, she confessed the other day that she sometimes adds things to her to-do list that she's already completed just so that she can have the satisfaction of crossing them off. Does anyone else do that? <laughs> Help is available. Well, if you're a finisher in life like me, then there'll be nothing more frustrating to you than a jigsaw puzzle that has one piece missing. You start with a box full of possibilities, you have a vision of a finished masterpiece, you have this unwavering determination to conquer the challenge, but then, but then one of the pieces goes rogue. It decides to take a holiday, a sabbatical, or perhaps it gets sucked up into the vacuum cleaner. Who can blame that piece, really? Life gets pretty lonely, doesn't it, inside a cardboard box. I would run if I had the chance. But there is nothing more frustrating in life than a missing piece. And this evening, I want to say something about missing piece, not P-I-E-C-E, piece, but missing piece, P-E-A-C-E. It's missing piece, P-E-A-C-E, which actually is the central concern of the Christmas story. For thousands and thousands of years before the coming of Jesus as a baby, people had been longing for a day when God would bring peace to the earth. For what felt like forever, they'd been experiencing political turmoil and instability, leaving people feeling frustrated with the government, high taxes and poor results. There was military conflict in various parts of the world that had resulted in displacement and suffering and loss of life. 
Social injustice was rampant, it was widespread, and there was inequality and there was oppression. And then there was this general yearning for meaning just in the air, a general yearning for purpose and a sense of connection. Political turmoil, conflict, injustice, and a longing for meaning. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now, the specific issues we face today might be different, and they might include, too, the threat of artificial intelligence and environmental concerns, but our world is still filled with chaos, with stress, and uncertainty. Maybe finding the missing piece is just the same for us today as it was when Jesus first came. So I have a question. Is it possible to discover and experience a profound peace that surpasses all understanding? Now, that's exactly what the angels promise as they appear to the shepherds on the hillside. Do not be afraid, they say. Even though you currently live in a constant state of anxiety, do not be afraid. Because I bring you news that will cause great joy. Even in the midst of misery, there is great joy, which is for all people. Glory to God in the highest, say the angels, and peace on earth. And peace on earth. Now, a lack of peace is the reality that we experience, isn't it, in a restless world. If you go home this evening and you turn on the news, you will be bombarded with stories of conflict, of injustice, and of suffering. The war in Ukraine, the conflict in Israel-Palestine, the tragic news of a mass shooting in Prague. So maybe it's not surprising that anxiety levels are higher in the world than they've ever been at any other point in the history of the world. Perhaps it's not surprising that many of us feel anxious. We feel overwhelmed in the face of such challenges. Now, often we find ourselves seeking for peace in external circumstances, through wealth, through success, through relationships, by buying the latest gadget or maybe other material possessions. And what you will have already discovered by now is that such things, although they might provide temporary satisfaction, still leave us yearning for something more. True and lasting peace cannot be found in the fleeting pleasures of the world. And that actually is the message that the angels brought to the shepherds. Would you go and would you look for peace in an unexpected place? This will be a sign to you, a sign, an object that points to a meaning. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In the Bible reading that we heard at the very beginning from Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before the becoming of Jesus, Isaiah said that Jesus would come and that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah in that moment was emphasizing the role of Jesus, not in immediately eradicating those circumstantial things that cause us a lack of peace, but specifically in bringing peace between God and humanity, ultimately through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Later in the Bible, in the, the letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul joins up the dots between Isaiah's prophecy and the message of the angels, and he says, because of Jesus, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He's describing here a living relationship with God. And the peace of God, he says, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Well, what did he mean by all that? Well, the ultimate source of peace is found in a person and not in a circumstance. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, offers a peace that goes beyond human comprehension. Jesus offers a peace that can transcend the anxiety-inducing situations that we sometimes find ourselves in in life. What's really interesting to me is you read the stories about Jesus. Jesus would go around and he'd greet them in coming and going and he'd often say to them, peace be with you. Or after something would happen, even something traumatic, he would say, now go in peace. Peace be with you, now go in peace. Through a personal relationship with Jesus, we can experience a deep and an abiding tranquility, regardless of our external circumstances. True peace isn't found in an absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. Peace is God's presence. Peace is God's perspective. Peace is God's assurance, even when we might be struggling with certain anxiety-inducing circumstances. Peace is what so many people really want in life, real peace. A peace that the world wouldn't even understand, a peace that comes from heaven, a divine peace that only God is able to give. You can have all the money in the bank, but still not have peace in your heart. You can be successful on the outside and yet still be incredibly empty on the inside. Now, the word peace in the Old Testament in the first half of the Bible comes from a really rich Hebrew word, and the word is shalom. It's actually a Jewish greeting. You can imagine Jesus going and saying these things in both coming and going. Somebody might say to you, shalom, shalom. This word means way more than just peace. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means fullness of peace. It's peace in every way. It's peace in all circumstances. It's complete and it's perfect peace. It's peace with God. And it's shalom that the angels are proclaiming to the shepherds. And they point the shepherds to Jesus to go and find that peace, to find that shalom. When we know shalom, there's never that internal sense of fear or dread. Where do I stand with God? Have I done something that would make God not love me? Have I gone too far? Is my shame too great? And when we discover God's peace, God's shalom, we might need never be anxious about that dark spot from our past that we're ashamed of. We might never think that that thing we did today or we thought today was so bad that God would reject us. You see, shalom is peace with God. Shalom is peace with people and shalom is peace with yourself. It's peace even with your circumstances, especially when your circumstances aren't uh, what you would want them to be. So how do we embark on that journey of finding peace? It begins with surrender. Surrendering our worries and our fears and our ambitions to the one who holds the universe in his hands. It begins as it did with the shepherds responding to the message of the angels, that peace, shalom, completeness, going and looking for it and finding it in Jesus. And we discover a peace that transcends our circumstances. And it's found in an unexpected place in a baby, in a manger. The missing piece is not a distant dream, but it's a present reality in Christ. And we have an invitation this Christmas time, as Claire just sang to us, regardless of who we are, no matter how worthy we may feel we are, 
to come to Jesus, to discover him and a relationship with him and discover shalom. Peace with God, peace with others, peace even with ourselves. So I have a prayer for you this Christmas time. It's that as you're doing your family jigsaw puzzle and you discover that one piece has gone rogue, it's gone on holiday, it's gone into the vacuum cleaner. May you remember the peace that God is able to give. If you're missing peace this Christmas time, come to Jesus because in him you can find shalom, perfect peace. Shall we pray together?